Is there anybody here who hasn't heard of the Gideons? Doesn't know what the Gideons do? Anybody here who's received one of these little Red Testament? Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes, the Gideons is an association of professional and businessmen. But don't worry too much about that. They let me in, so, you know, you'll be all right. Um, And our mission is to win men and women, boys and girls, for God, for the kingdom. First of all, by personal witnessing, and then by placing testaments, Bibles, like like the hotel Bible, or the the little testament that we give to year seven. Um, I've got a display in Ridgeway of uh, some of the other Bibles that we give out, and also some leaflets. So after the service, while you're having your tea and coffee, please come and have a look at that. We don't sell Bibles. All donations for scriptures are um, used to buy uh, Bibles um, and 25% of the money that's given by individuals and churches goes to buy Bibles and scriptures for other countries that aren't self-sufficient and can't raise enough money to buy their Bibles. And the administration costs of running the Gideons is not taken out of uh, subscriptions, it's uh, covered by the annual subscriptions that Gideons uh, uh, pay. Now, I was introduced to the Gideons by George's dad, David Phillips, who's with the Lord now, but he started going to Lim High School, I think, in the mid-60s, George, was it? Something like that, mid-60s. And I became a Marilyn, we joined the Gideons in late 90s, 97, 98, and since then I've been going into Lim High School. We went in just before Easter in March, and we handed out nearly 300 of these little red testaments to the boys and girls, and every one of them accepted it. Every one of them accepted it. Please pray that they will actually read them as well. And we, we, we have something we call, what this is called a personal worker testament. So Gideons, we buy these ourselves to give away. And we actually handed out nine of these at the school, including Deputy Head Ms. Finley and the Head of Year 7, uh, Miss Dean, who hosted the the assembly and the lady on reception and various other teachers took a copy of this uh, this Gideon uh, what we call this personal worker testament on next Tuesday um, Marilyn and I and a couple of colleagues are going into Warrington Hospital to uh, begin replenishing the testaments in the bedside cabinets in Warrington I'm hoping they might see uh, Mary she's still in She's like, oh, right, okay, well, I would have uh, had a nice chat with her. But, yes, we're doing the, um, the hospital next Tuesday. And we've also, in the branch, we've got a project to um, restock and replenish the Bibles in the, uh, in the hotels with this, this, particular, this particular Bible. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, I'm really sorry that Irene Rowell is not here this morning. I'm sure she's not because she's on holiday in Wales, but... Um, I've got two references to Irene this morning, but a few weeks ago, Phil, uh, as part of the mission focus, brought her up to the front, and she mentioned the work in Brazil and the fact that there are a number of tribes in the forests and the jungles of Brazil that have never actually uh, seen the word of God. But I'm sure that's true in other countries like Papua New Guinea and Indonesia. And I, I, I praise the Lord for those folks who are working in those countries to change that situation, to take the word to them. But we need to wake up, friends, to the situation in our own country. Yet many children today have very, very little exposure to the word of God. Um, 
normally we give out these uh, scriptures at, at an assembly. We get about 10 minutes, and it's very quick, and we just hand them over. But there's a couple of schools in our area where we've been invited to go in and actually take RE classes for, for the, individually. Uh, a culture high school is one of them, and there are seven classes of year in year seven, and we get a, a complete hour. Wonderful, an hour with the children. And uh, we, we do things like Bible quizzes and so on to help them find the way around the Bible. But it's quite sobering to see how little knowledge the majority of them have. You can tell there's three or four, maybe five in each class that have got some kind of church connection. But um, this is our nation, and the, the, the Bible and talking about Christianity is being kind of increasingly squeezed out. We need to pray. Uh, please pray for schools. There are some schools, and there's a couple not far away in Manchester, that won't allow us to go in and present this Gideon Testament. And we need to pray. It's a spiritual battle we're in. We need to pray that that will change. Because we know that the gates of hell can't prevail against our Lord. Amen. We're really blessed in Lim in many, many respects, but you know, the primary schools, the great primary schools, wonderful high school. And it's great that Darren is able to go in now. And the, the Lord opened that gate, didn't he? He opened that door that was closed. And, uh, you know, we need to keep uh, Darren in our prayers. I mentioned earlier that we don't charge for our Bibles. We do rely on the individual donations of Christians and, and church donations. So I want to thank you today because uh, Lim Baptist provides £100 each year, which funds a third of the Bibles, these testaments that we hand out at Lim High School. And there's a number of individuals who, who make donations. And I just want to thank each and every one of you today who do, does that. Um, one of the ways of doing it is through what we call this a little a mite file, as in the widow's mite. Uh, if you fill it with copper, there'll be enough to buy a little one of these testaments. Some people fill it with 20 peas, and that will buy about five of them. And some, there's one person who fills them with pound coins, and that will buy about 25 of these uh, testaments. So there are some of those out on the table. If you want to take one away and uh, fill it appropriately, that would be great. <clears throat> We're going to watch a DVD now um, that just ha includes a couple of testaments, three in fact, and uh, just covers really the work that we're, we're involved in. Thanks, Andy. Every hour of the day, every day of the year, in nearly 200 countries, members of the Gideons International seek to win the lost for Christ as they place and present God's Word.
my family didn't have any connection with church or God or faith or anything like that. First started thinking about God and religion was through school. There was a special assembly on and if we wanted to we could choose to go to that assembly. There was somebody there from the Gideons um, which I'd never heard of, never come across before. There was some sniggering um, but he, he wasn't phased by that at all. He talked about uh, what the Bible meant for him. He just said if anybody would like to um, have one of our Bibles, um, we'll gladly give you one, you can take it away and I'd encourage you to read it. What was to lose from, from taking away one of these little red books? I was a bit embarrassed about having a Bible, that there wasn't one in the house, I, I didn't tell my parents and I saw at the front there was a little space where you write your name, so I wrote my name in, in the Bible and um, I found the reading plan. I'd read it when I went to bed and I would, uh, wouldn't put the light on because I was worried that my uh, parents would see the light under the under the door, so I would uh, read it by the, the light coming in from outside. I had a lamppost outside my bedroom window. My best friend at the time was a guy called Mike, and what I didn't know about him was that he went to church, and what he didn't know about me was that I was reading a New Testament, but then eventually um, it came out, and um, Mike invited me to a special event that they were having at their church. So on the Sunday morning, the preacher was speaking, and as he was speaking, I suppose the penny started to drop, and at the end of the service, um, if anybody wanted to make a new start with God, they could commit their lives to Christ. I, I went forward, knelt down, and he led us in a prayer of commitment, and I look back at that time as the, as the time when I made the, a definite decision uh, to follow Christ. Um, as a young child of three, when my father left the home, when my parents divorced, it broke my heart. I became quite unhappy. By the time I was 15, I was taking drugs and drinking a lot of alcohol and I dropped out of school by the age of 25. just really thought, what's the point of living? And I decided that I wanted to end my life. My mum lived up north and had a small hotel up there and she said I could stay in one of the rooms there. I stopped off on the way to um, see my brother and his wife, my sister-in-law, began to tell me about Jesus. There was a little conflict going on in, in my head, you know, what if this is real? What if it isn't? What if it is? So I said to my sister-in-law, what do I do? She, uh, she said, we just pray. So that's when I got down on my hands and knees and I prayed and I asked him to forgive me. All I can say is that I, I was filled with hope. I left her home to go up north to stay at my mum's hotel. And uh, I ended up in this hotel room and I sat there and I saw a Bible. At the beginning of each Bible that's placed by the Gideons, there's helps in every situation or any circumstance that you're going through. As I was reading the Bible, God led me to scriptures that he knew that I needed. It was as if God was just sat there next to me on the bed, speaking words of love and peace straight into my heart. If that Bible hadn't have been there in that hotel room, I don't really know whether I'd be here now. I was the only kid in my class that didn't have a real mum and dad at home. And when I discovered that, I was so worried. And my way of dealing with that trouble, that anxiety, was to make some bad choices. By the time I was 17, I'd been arrested and found myself on remand in Dorchester Prison. I thought to myself, what have I done with my life? I'd filled my life with darkness. And I felt the only escape was to kill myself. So I made a rope out of a sheet on the bed.
And it was at that point of trying to commit suicide, at the very verge of leaning forward, it felt like an invisible hand reached out of nowhere, gently yet firmly, pushing me back against the wall, taking the noose off around my neck and lowering me slowly yet gently to the floor. I didn't know it then, but a group of Christians from a Baptist church in Bournemouth had been praying about me. They'd read my case in the paper. They dared to believe that God could hear and answer their prayers. I was put into a cell on my own, and there I was locked up for 23 hours a day. I had nothing to do. I was bored out of my head. And then on the floor, I saw a book. I picked it up out of boredom, and it turned out to be a Gideon Bible. And I began to read the gospel. I read that there was a God in heaven that loved me. I got on my knees and I cried out to God. Christ came into my heart. I was locked up inside a prison and yet I was the freest person in that prison. It was fantastic. Jesus has made the difference. Members of the Gideons International place over 85 million Bibles a year in schools, colleges, universities, hotels, hospitals, prisons, armed forces, uniformed services and many other areas of everyday life. Here's a scary thought. What would have happened if I hadn't read the Bible? What would have happened if the Gideons hadn't placed the Bible in my prison? What would have happened if people hadn't prayed for the work of the Gideons, maybe given finance to purchase scriptures to put inside prison? It was only because someone from the Gideons came into my school and gave me a New Testament that I started to read it, and it was through that that I found uh, faith in Christ. I was just very grateful that that Bible was there when I needed a Bible. The prison officers said that I would die inside prison, that I'd be buried within the prison walls. That was my lot. That was my destiny. And yet I read the pages of the Bible and everything changed. Three powerful testimonies, I think you'll agree there. Uh, Lee from a non-Christian home. Frightened to put his bedroom lights on in case he got caught reading the Bible. You know, this is the UK, not North Korea. But he read it by the light of a street lamp. And the light of the world came into his life. But what if the Gideons hadn't gone to that school? And is he from a family torn apart by divorce? The pain and hurt caused her to go off the rails and into drinking, into drugs, all that kind of stuff. She dropped out of school, became suicidal. But her mum ran that little uh, guest house up north, she said. And when she went there, she found that Gideon Bible. Changed her life. She read it. She found peace. She found love. She found hope. But what if the Gideons haven't placed that Bible there? And Richard, also from a broken home and on that point of suicide, he found that Gideon Bible in his cell and he read it out of boredom. He had nothing else to read. He was in solitary. 
but he discovered the wonderful truth of the gospel that God loves him and that truth set him free in my other role in prison ministry the number of times I've heard guys say that coming to faith in the Lord Jesus has set them free even though they still be sat behind uh, bars they've been liberated by that wonderful truth as Richard said himself what if the Gideons hadn't put that Bible in that prison the Lord is my shepherd I shall not be in want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the quiet waters he restores my soul he guides me in paths of righteousness for his own name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Come on, Arthur. Surely, loving and uh, kindness and love shall follow me all the days of my life. And the last line, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm really sorry that Irene's not here. This is the second mention. But recently, at an evening service, she challenged us to learn Psalm 23. She spoke about Psalm 23. I've done it. You know, I felt really blessed as I've done that. It's nervous standing up here. But it, she, she, she challenged us with the scenario that what if we were in a country like North Korea where we weren't allowed to have a copy of the scriptures? How much of the scriptures would we actually remember, memorize? How much of the scriptures would we have in our hearts? So I'm sorry Irene wasn't here to hear that. Now, there was only about 12 of us for that evening service, so she gave us a small psalm. Six verses. Psalm 119, today, this big congregation, 176 verses. Are you up for it? Yes. I'm only kidding. But if I asked you to think about one verse from Psalm 119, I'm sure many of you would come up with verse 105, which says, Your lamp, your word, sorry, is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Yeah, another great word. The, the whole psalm is actually about the word of God, the law, the statutes. So let's look at Psalm 119, but just a few verses, verses 17 to 24. Psalm 119, <clears throat> verses 17 Do good to your servant, and I will live. I will obey your word. <clears throat> Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. You rebuke the arrogant who are cursed and who stray from your commands. Remove from me scorn and contempt, for I keep your statutes. 
Though rulers sit together and slander me, your servant will meditate on your decrees. Your statues are my delight. They are my counsellors. Let's pray. Father, our prayer this morning is that you would indeed open the eyes of our hearts that we might see wonderful things in your word. Amen. I want us to focus mainly on that one verse, verse 18, which says, Open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your law. And to sum up what this morning's talk is about, it's to encourage you to to get into God's word and get God's word into you. Now, I must point out right from the outset that I'm not holding myself up here as a good example to follow. I'm preaching as much to myself as to everybody else here. And I'm not here to take you on a guilt trip. You know... If you've not done your Bible study this morning, or even for the past week, don't beat yourself up about it, because God certainly wouldn't. But what we can all do, I'm sure, and my, I remember my school reports uh, lovingly from the days when I was at school, often seeing that comment, could do better. I don't know whether any of you uh, would share that experience, but in the matter of studying the Word of God, I think we could all do better. One of Isaac Watts' many hymns is called How Shall the Young Secure Their Hearts? I don't think it's one that's sung today. I've certainly never sung it. But the fifth verse says, Thy word is everlasting truth. How pure is every page. That holy book shall guide our youth and well support our age. So firstly, I want to offer you three things to learn from Psalm 119, verse 18. This verse combines prayer and the word. And we need to see how, so that we can combine them in the same way in our own lives. First one, please, Andy. So the first thing that we learn is, indeed, that there are wonderful things in God's word. Are you coming? (laughs) Well, the first one just says, while well, we're sorting out the technical problems, that there are indeed wonderful things in God's word. Open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your law. The word law is Torah and means instruction or teaching uh, in this psalm. And there are indeed wonderful things in God's teaching to us. In fact, they're so wonderful that when you really see them, They change you profoundly. We saw examples in those testimonies of how reading God's word completely transformed people's lives. And that's the power in these wonderful things in God's word. And they empower holiness and love and they inspire us to mission. And this is why reading, knowing and meditating on and memorizing the word of God is so crucial to our growth in Christian maturity. So that's the first thing. There are wonderful things. The second thing, 
We need supernatural help. No one can see these wonderful things for what they really are without God's supernatural help. If God doesn't open our eyes that um, we will not see the wonder of God, you know, in that song that we sang as a prayer, we sang, open my eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus. Why? To see him lifted up, shining in the light of his glory. As we pray for that supernatural help and we receive that supernatural help, we actually see Jesus in all his glory. So what I'm saying is that when you invite the Holy Spirit to be your guide, he'll guide you in paths of righteousness and he'll reveal more of Jesus shining in all his glory. So we need supernatural help when we read the word. And then thirdly, we must pray to God to receive it. We must ask God. Since we're helpless in ourselves to see spiritual beauty and the wonder of God in the teachings and events of the Bible without his gracious illumination, what should we do? We should ask him for it. Open my eyes, Lord. And if there's to be any hope of our our seeing wonderful things in the word of God, we need a divine supernatural guide. And then we need a divine supernatural capacity given to us by God that we don't actually have by nature. And therefore we must ask for it. We must pray for it. Open my eyes, Lord. And if we would stay alive to God and be real and authentic and, in our, in our, and intense in our love for him, we must be desperate, desperate to have this enabling every day. So pray, pray, and pray some more. The psalmist declares in verse 20 of the passage we read, my soul is consumed with longing, consumed with longing for your laws at all times. Is that how you feel when you sit down to read God's word. Just read that Psalm 119. It might take you a while. But read it. See how many times the psalmist prays for divine help to know God and knowing his ways. So why is this so important? Well, because I believe that God reveals Christ's beauty through his word. God shows more fully the beauty and the excellence of Christ to those who look into the word of God. And that's why true spiritual change comes from reading and deeply searching and memorizing the Bible. It's not because you learn rules to obey. It's because it's the place that the Lord reveals the beauty and the excellence of Christ. And so God has ordained that the eye-opening work of the Spirit always be combined with the mind-informing work of his word. His aim is that we see the glory of his Son and be changed. So he opens our eyes when we're looking at the Son. We need to focus on Jesus, the Son, not the thousand and one other things that Satan would uh, use to try and distract us. Um, 
when we're looking at the word. The work of the spirit and the work of the word always go together in God's way of true spiritual self-revelation. And the spirit's work is to show the beauty and the glory and the value of what the mind sees in the word. It's not new information that we need. It's new eyes to see what's been revealed to us in God's word. Open my eyes that I might see wonderful things out of your word. And when we do pray and ask God to reveal these things, we've got to resist allowing our minds to wander. It's vital not to allow our minds to wander. How easy it is to read the word on autopilot. Not taking it in. Perhaps subconsciously thinking about all these other things we've got to do that day. I know that I've certainly been guilty of this. And so I'm certainly talking to myself here. When we pray for eyes to see, we really mustn't shift our mind to neutral Don't assume that the indispensability of prayer means that the focused thought on the word of God can be dispensed with. When you pray to see the glory of Christ, resist letting your mind wander. So the first thing then, pray and read. Pray and read. Read the word, what a privilege and what an obligation. As I said earlier, in some countries, they don't have that privilege of being able to read the word of God. And it provides that great potential to see God. Paul writes in Ephesians 3 and uh, 3 and 4, he says this, uh, sorry, he's been talking about the revelation that he received from God. And he says, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written uh, briefly in Galatians. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. When you read, God willed that the greatest mysteries of life uh, be revealed through that reading. And then compare chapter 1 and verse 18 of uh, Ephesians. He says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of of his glorious inheritance in the, saint, in the saints. So Ephesians 3, 4 says that the mystery is known by reading. And Ephesians 1, 18 says that for us to know what we need to know, God must open our eyes in answer to prayer. Yes, we must pray. Yes, we're blind without God's help. But the point is, we must read it too. In reading this then, Paul says, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Praying can't replace reading. Praying may turn reading into seeing. But if we don't read, we won't see. The Holy Spirit is sent to glorify Jesus and the glory of Jesus is portrayed in the word. So read, read it and rejoice that you can read. Secondly, pray and study. Pray and study. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best, or some versions say, be diligent. Uh, King James Version says, study. 
Do your best to prevent yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed of and who correctly handles the word of truth. God gave us a book about himself, not so that we might read it in any old careless way we wished. Paul says, be diligent, study, take care, do your best, correctly handle the word of God. That means work at the word if you want the most from it. Work at it. The pendulum swings back and forth. Some say pray and pray and don't lean on the, uh, the unspiritual human work of, of study. Others say study and study the word because God's not going to tell you the meaning in the word of prayer. But the Bible won't have anything to do with this dichotomy. We must study and correctly handle the word of God and we must pray or will not see in the word the one thing needful, the glory of God in the face of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And verse 6 says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light, shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Yes, we must indeed pray. We'll not see wonderful things out of God's word if he doesn't open our eyes. But praying cannot replace studying because Paul says be diligent, study to handle the word correctly. Thirdly, pray and search deeply. Search deeply, plunder, ransack. Our approach to the Bible should be like a miser in a gold rush. Or a fiancé fiance who's lost her engagement ring somewhere in the house. She, she turns the house upside down to find it in a search for it. That's the way we should seek for God in the Bible. Proverbs 2 and verses 1 to 6 says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Receive it. Treasure it. Be, att be attentive. Incline your heart. Cry out. Lift your voice. Seek as for silver. Search as for hidden treasure. You know, this is plundering, ransacking the Bible for all that it's worth. If there are hidden treasures, look for them. If there's silver, look for it. By all means pray, as verse 3 says, but don't substitute prayer for this intense and deep searching. God ordains to give to those who seek with all their heart. That's three. Number four. Pray and think. Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.7, the NIV says, Reflect on what I'm saying. 
for the Lord will give you insight into all this. So literally saying, think about it. Think about what I say. So does this mean that uh, understanding Paul's teaching is simply a a human, uh, natural enterprise of thinking? Well, it's not, no. The end of the verse says, the Lord will give you understanding. It's not you who can see it on your own um, account. Spiritual comprehension is a gift from God. But God has ordained to give the gift of supernatural light through us thinking about it. Reflect, Paul says to Timothy, reflect on what I'm saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all this. So what I'm saying is by all means pray and ask God to give you the light you need. But don't replace thinking entirely with the praying part. Think and pray. Pray and think. That's the way God set it up. And finally, pray and speak. God means for this written word, this book, to, be, uh, to become the spoken word in preaching and in the mutual exhortation and rebuke and warning, the encouragement, the counsel of his people. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. The word of Christ to us becomes our word to each other. I'm preaching this morning, but all preachers around the country today will be proclaiming the word of God. And that's God's will for his word, for it to be proclaimed. You speak to each other the word of God. This, and that's one of the great benefits of the small groups, isn't it, and the, in the church, and, and groups like BSF, and, uh, you know, you heard recently from Alison and uh, all the great stuff that they do at BSF. This is one of the great benefits of the small, of the small, the small group, BSF. It's to make the word of God to us into the word of God through us. The word of God uh, in us into the word of God through us. So speak it to each other. So does this mean that we can do away with prayer in these moments? That we can somehow... Uh, open the eyes of our heart to to see wonderful things out of God's word because we're speaking it, speaking it with conviction or persuasive argument or creative turns of phrase. That's not what Paul teaches. Again, back in Colossians, in in chapter 1 and verse 9 and 10, he said, he prays, in fact, he prays, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, We've not stopped praying for you. We've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding and growing in the knowledge of God. So if knowing God and having spiritual wisdom and understanding were automatic when the word of Christ dwells richly among us, then Paul would not need to pray earnestly for God to give it to us. So it's the word and prayer together. Open my eyes, the prayer, to see those wonderful things in God's words. Prayer is indispensable. If you see the glory of God in God's word, in the word of God. And we've also seen that reading and studying the word and searching deeply into it and thinking and speaking the word 
is also necessary. Because God has ordained that this eye-opening work of his spirit always be combined with the mind-informing work of his word. And his aim is that we see the glory of God and that we reflect that glory. And so he opens our eyes when we're looking at the glory of God in the word. So read it, study it, search it, think about it, speak it, listen it. Uh, Listen to it and pray. Pray, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things out of your word. When I speak for the Gideons, I often close with this thought. So you may have heard me say it before on a previous Gideon's talk. But thinking of this book, the word, this word, this book reveals the mind of God. So we should learn it. It reveals the heart of God. So we should love it. And it reveals the will of God. So we should live it. Learn it. Love it. Live it. And then we'll be heart, mind, soul, body in tune with God's perfect plan for each one of us. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this precious, precious book in which you reveal your son Jesus in all his glory. Help us, Lord, to take on board that deep desire to to read it, to pray for your divine and spiritual guidance in understanding it. And Lord, we just pray that as we do that, we will live it out to uh, fulfill your will for each one of us, for our lives. Father, I just pray that um, you'll bless the work of the Gideons. I pray that you'll uh, bless each of those boys and girls that receive a Gideon Testament at Lim High School and just encourage them to read it. Father, I pray for the Testaments that go into the hospitals, into the hotels, into Thorncross Prison. Lord, that you will use them to uh, change people's lives to win them for the kingdom. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.